What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset, your behavior, take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. So here we are on episode 39. In last week's episode, I honestly don't think I was fully on my game. And so anyone who thought last week was a bit of a, a kind of poor episode, uh, you you have my um, sympathies. I, I, just, I just got caught up kind of... Um, unprepared this uh, this whole clubhouse uh, app that has come out has um, has taken the world by storm and i spent so much time kind of on it and listening and stuff like that that i was just unprepared for an episode last week so this week i'm in better form and uh, i think i'm going to bring some good value today i just thought i would um, tell you about some of the stories that i heard this week i was listening in on clubhouse and by the way if you're not on clubhouse or if you don't know what clubhouse is it's this new um, live voice app that's currently available only on iPhone, but it's going to be available on most f- smartphones fairly soon. But it is just taking, um, it's really taking over. Like everyone is, go- is, is on it. Everyone's speaking, everyone's listening and it's live. So it's kind of like listening to this podcast, but being able to stop me mid-sentence and ask a question and like get your answer right there and then. So it's pretty good. It seems like a lot of people are getting a lot of value from it. And I participated in a couple of um, rooms and I actually hosted a couple of rooms in the past week. And um, and a lot of people starting to kind of follow over there uh, on Clubhouse. And what's really interesting though is just listening to some people um, there's a couple of guys and uh, some of them are hosting rooms and they're kind of going on about mindset um, in um, to become a, you know, to start out as a property investor or developer or any of these kind of things. And I was listening to some of them sort of silently, just like hearing out what people had to say. And I honestly wasn't all that impressed with some of the advice that they were giving. Some of it was very generic kind of stuff. And it was obvious to me that some of these guys didn't have a huge amount of experience um, and or, or certainly hadn't been through a kind of a difficult cycle. And therefore, I thought today I would reiterate some of the things. Now, I might have talked about this in the past, but I actually think it's worth reiterating because it's really very, very important. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the the if the four E's. I used to call it the three E's, but I've added a fourth E. And um, those are the ego, the emotions, the economy. And the fourth one that I've recently added is events, um, which I used to kind of co- group together with the economy. But actually, it's a separate thing. These are super important. If there's anything that you're going to forget in this business, do not forget the four E's. The four E's will take your business down, will cause you to go bankrupt, will cause all sorts of headaches and trouble for yourself. So do not forget these. I want you to go out and get them tattooed on your arm or something like that so they cannot be forgotten because they will take you down and they will really teach you a, a lesson and, and really humble you, you know. So getting into the first one, the first one is, of course, the ego. And very much in line with the opening of this podcast, I talk about the ego. And one of the biggest reasons why I talk about that is just because I think it is such a fundamental um, part of what um, 
how you can screw things up as you go through your career. Decision-making has to be rational and has to be logical, and you have to be kind of making it in a cold, you know, unemotional and unegotistical kind of way. And not everybody does that. Ego does creep in, and ego kind of, everybody is impacted by ego. But when you get into... um, development and the property business and stuff like that you start to find that the ego uh, clouds your judgment and i'm going to explain a couple of stories that highlight this kind of stuff but um you got to keep a lid on that stuff because the the ego is just going to bring you down big time um good morning routine to start off every day is to reflect on yesterday and any of your plans for today Take out a piece of paper and start writing stuff down and just actively look and reflect on whether or not there are any telltale signs of your ego creeping into any decisions that you're making. Now, by telltale signs, things like comparison with others. If you are looking at doing stuff because somebody else has done some something and that their achievements are causing you to compare yourself to them are you better than them or are you behind them or all of that just remember all of that is bullshit comparison is totally useless it doesn't work and that's because every scenario is different you don't know the circumstances behind someone's decision to buy something or to do something you just don't they might tell you something but the reality is is there could be a completely different set of circumstances in reality you don't know how much equity they've put into a deal you don't know how much borrowing that they've put into a deal you don't know whether their parents are fronting up whether they've got family money behind them whether their banking terms are different to yours whether behind the scenes it's altogether different they have a silent partner they never told you about there's so much stuff that can be in there that is causing and also when you compare yourself with others that have done stuff in the past for example i talk about you know in in some of my earlier episodes i talked about some of my best deals and you know people kind of go wow you know you made 2.5 million in 6 weeks you know you're you know you must be a genius and all this and of course that strokes my ego but the reality is is that it was being in the right place at the right time it was pure luck and if you start to think that you had something to do with that, then your ego is getting in the way and starting to cloud it. You don't know what the tax situation was in that particular country. You don't know what the supply demand was like in that particular country. You don't know what the buyer was motivated by or the seller was motivated by. So many things could be clouding what it seems like that guy. Wow, you know, that guy just bought something and he's amazing because he did that you just don't know what's going on so stop comparing yourself with others look at the deal in front of you and look at it in the cold light of day and come look at the numbers does it stack does it make sense does this you know does this look good when the market is going up does it look good when the market is going down more importantly question why you were doing certain things why are you buying this thing why are you doing this thing why are you saying this thing question all of that and i and i say that in you know seriously because for example i went off and um, a friend of mine turned up outside my office with his brand new flashy car and said hey gavin do you want to go for a ride in my new car i hop in um you know new car smell i love that smell uh big engine very fast all of that kind of stuff and i find myself going this guy you know i i can actually afford this car too so 
I don't want this guy thinking that he's better than me. So sure enough, the old order goes in for the brand new car, bigger engine, flashier, whatever it is. All of that stuff is caused by your ego. You have to sort of sit back and reflect on those decisions. And the biggest thing I can recommend you do is just stay humble and ask yourself, would you be doing this if the other person or would never know about it or never find out about it? And if that's the case, if this if this was something that had to remain a secret, say if you were thinking, I'd love to buy this car just to kind of show that person uh, that I can do it or I can afford this holiday or we can we can travel to this you know, expensive hotel. If you weren't able to tell a soul and this was going to be remain a secret for the rest of your life, would you be so quick to do it? Just consider these things as to whether or not ego is making any impact on your decision making. Um, in my case, the ego got me into some deep trouble over the years. Um, bought a house that was huge. And um, I mean, I, bu- I built my own house and it was a big, you know, six or seven bedroom house. And that was really um, beautiful, beautiful house. But the ego was there and there was an adjoining property that I was a share. I was a part owner of. And I kind of imagined myself living in this absolutely massive mansion that would have 10 bedrooms and it was going to be eight and a half thousand square feet with two garages for my cars and all this kind of stuff. And sure enough, I went ahead with that and I borrowed a load of money against my my own home, which was already the most beautiful home. But I borrowed, I think I borrowed 2.3 million or something like that so that I could do up the other house, buy the other house, do it up and buy the share off my partner and do all that kind of stuff. Ended up um, the market came down, crashing down, and I ended up losing that house and being forced to sell the other house. So very, very expensive mistake, all because I just got, you know, the ego got the better of me. Also the same with flashy cars, flying first class, luxury this and that, expensive wine at a restaurant. All of that stuff is just bullshit. And what you got to remember is that when the market turns negative and it will, that is a guarantee the market is going to turn negative on you at some point. You will regret so much of this stuff that you did and you'll wish that you didn't squander that money or you didn't make that mistake or you didn't buy that, you know, thing that now you can't get rid of. And it's just something that it's hard to know at the time that this is all something that you're going to regret. But that's what happens. Success, making a load of money quickly, all of that leads definitely leads to ego and it it can often end up that you resent the things that you went and bought because um, you know, the timing was great and the market was up and you know, you had lots of disposable income. But just remember it's a very, very cyclical market. What goes up must come down and at some point it's n- it's just not going to last forever. At some point, you're going to be on the downward spiral again. Remember what I said in one of my episodes, I talked about the the clock face uh, being kind of the market and whereabouts you are in the market. So the top of the market is midnight. The bottom of the market is six o'clock and you're on that clock face at some point. Today, you're we're at some point. Tomorrow, we're at some point. A year from now, we're at another point. It's constantly moving, constantly turning. And you're going to be, you know, on the way up one time. You're going to reach the top at some point. Then you're going to be on your way down. Don't ever think that your prices are at the top and are going to stay at the top. That is one of the big mistakes that I made is w- talking about that. And my, my beautiful home, my home was worth five million 
um, at one point in the market, at the top of the market. And I I bought a property in Spain, and so I wanted to move uh, move to Spain. And I th- decided, okay, I'll sell the property in Dublin, and um, and I'll and I'll keep this huge big mansion that I'm going to d- do up for myself. And I'll live in Spain for a couple of years while the work has been done on it. That was the plan. Um, so I put my house up for sale, and already the market has started to turn. The five million that I was hoping to get for it, it does not materialize, and I get an offer of three point five. Now, instead of thinking to myself, 3.5, great, I'll take that. I'll pay off my my 2.3 million loan and uh, I'll have a load of additional equity sitting around. No, of course, I got, um, I felt insult that this is what this property is worth five. You know, I'm not going to accept 3.5. And sure enough, the market continued to fall and I ended up being forced to sell at a lower price, substantially lower. I think 1.5 million was the price that I eventually sold that house for, having being offered 3.5 and turning my nose up at it. Now, this is gets us to the next point, um, the next E, and that is emotion. And it's very closely related to the ego, but there's an additional um, emotions that you need to kind of keep an eye on. Um, now, one of the, w- the ones that I've just been talking about are uh, well, when I when I felt insult. That is obviously an emotion, and that is where I lost the kind of objectivity of my decision making. Somebody was offering three point five. I should have taken the guy's hand off at that price, but my emotion was tied up, or my ego was tied up in this valuation of five that I thought I forgot. I, you know, I didn't think that this is a cyclical market. I thought that my property was worth five, and the person needs to pay me five for the property property is falling in value it continues to fall in value the longer you hold on to it and so i should have been objective about that but i wasn't and i paid the price in terms of other emotions things like pride vanity envy greed all of that stuff you just need to sit down in the morning uh, or at any point in time just reflect on your emotions when you're thinking about making a major decision are you making it for the right decisions is there this kind of cold, rational thinking involved or are you getting messed around by your vanity? Or, you know, when I talked about buying a car because my friend had you know, showed me his brand new car, that's envy getting right in the middle of my face and me deciding that I'm going to show him. Then there's greed. And I mean, there's just lots of things. Also, there's it works both going up and going down. You can fall in love with an idea or a project or a location and um, you'll tell yourself that this is the best project in the world and that this is the one that's going to make all the difference. And people might warn you that it's not the project that you should do or that I don't see it. I don't see, you know, what you're what you see in this thing. And you might again see, you know, get a little bit of an insult there going or you might sort of have this pride that I can do this, that, you know, this person's not going to tell me or you need to sit back and just think, am I being completely rational? Is this really a good idea or am I, do, have I fallen in love with this project? Never fall in love with a project. It's, you know, the project is just that, it's just a project. And it might be something that you feel very passionate about, but passion can often lead you to do stupid things. And so just f- constantly reflect on this kind of stuff. Is it as good as all that? Or are you twisting things in your mind because you've fallen in love with it? Um, takes It takes kind of honest self-reflection to do this, and it's not easy to do. And a lot of the time, you're going to actually 
convince yourself that no no this is the right thing to do so you really have to go deep with this stuff it's it's you know it's easy to identify it, it can be though easy to identify when you are being emotional because usually it involves someone else or something that someone else has done so for example if you're buying a property and you're dealing with a vendor or an agent if you want it you know really badly if you want that property badly the agent spots this straight away and will end up getting you to overpay. Now, this is something that I saw really, really well. I, d I helped out my sister many years ago. She was buying a property and she'd never bought a property before. So she asked if I would you know, do the negotiations for her. So I called up the agent. They wanted to buy this, this beautiful house on the hill with some land and stuff. And they... Um, but they didn't they didn't want to call the agent and be the ones doing it so they just asked me to step in this was a great idea because i had zero emotion attached to this particular property and uh, so when i was negotiating i was doing so in a very cold and logical and rational kind of a way and um, now if it had been my sister doing it she had fallen in love with this location she really wanted it that the agent would have spotted those emotions a mile away and could have got them to pay a lot more. But because they were dealing with me, I wasn't going to be living there. I had no emotion about it. And so the guy was sort of saying, yeah, we're almost there with the price. You know, your offer is almost there is what they said. And, you know, just a little bit more. And I'm sure I can get the uh, seller to, you know, to agree to sell it. And I can just remember my response to the agent. I sort of said, well, let me stop you there. The reality is, is that I don't think it's worth that. And I'm actually going to, um, conv I'm going to actually tell my sister not to proceed with the deal. I'm actually going to, uh, there's another property that I'm looking at. So I think um, at this stage, um, I'm going to withdraw the offer. The guy just immediately, like his, the, 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 the color ran out of his face and he immediately said, well, hold your horses now. Let me go and talk to my client and just see what they want to do. And sure enough, he came back and he said, yeah, they've decided that they'll accept your offer. And that's because I wasn't scared to let it go. I wasn't in love with the project or the property or the location or anything like that. I just was thinking about it in a cold and rational way. Selling is the same. I've already mentioned the feeling of insult that I I, ha I felt when I was offered 3.5 for a property that I thought was five. Like, was I being realistic? No, not at all. Was it a cheeky offer? I mean... That, that could have been something, but I was not thinking about it in a rational and cold way. You have to think, has the market fallen? Perhaps the property, you know, much and all as you do not want to accept it, the property market is constantly moving. And therefore, either the property market is on the rise or it's on the fall. Um, it doesn't go both ways. It's either rising or it's either falling. And if you happen to be, if you happen to have called the, you know you if you happen to have been a bit late calling the top of the market and the property market is moving down you are now looking at a uh, at a falling price range and therefore every time you have to get used to that pretty quickly you when when the market turns and the prices start falling you need to learn to accept that the market is falling and therefore there's a time lag and whereas you might find it hard to accept the 3.5 is now the value that the property is worth um if you, you might just find it too hard to accept that but the reality is is the next time by the time you accept it's worth 3.5 it's going to be worth three and that's what that's the problem with a falling market is when you're trying to you know arrest 
a price on its way down. Every time you come around to accepting it, it's already lower than what you were at. And therefore, you can get burned on that. This is where um, cognitive bias comes in. And it's the failure to see, you know, the loss today as being better than the outcome further down the line. Um, if anyone hasn't, if you're new to this podcast and you're listening for the first time or whatever, you should go back to episode 20, which is a, an episode I dedicated to cognitive bias. And I think it's probably one of the more important podcasts, uh, episodes that I created, because it just goes into a lot of the stuff that your mind is telling you with, that you don't even realize. And, um, you know, for in my case, the insult that I felt, that is actually, it's a well-known cognitive bias where you just, the, the feeling of loss of something is worse than the feeling of um, so solving your problems sometimes. Uh, envy, um, seeing somebody driving a flash car, all of that kind of stuff. Also, the feeling that, yeah, I can afford that, I can do that. All of these are... You, you just have no idea. Again, it, we get into the comparison situation. You have no idea what is motivating somebody's decision making. Maybe they've just won the lottery. Maybe they have a ton of debt and, you know, behind the scenes, they are struggling to kind of stay afloat, but they've got a very nice car. Maybe they've got family money behind them. Um, you know, one of the things that I did with um, the stock market, I, I invested in a couple of shares and they went absolutely bonkers. And I think I put about 100,000 into the stock market and the shares rose to 800,000. And rather than sell at 800,000, I kind of came up with this decision that I think I was gonna sell when the, when the shares reached a million. And I said, I said, I'm gonna hang on in and I'm gonna wait for the, you know, the, the, the share to touch a million. Totally irrational, like why, why was a million? Why was the share price going to hit a million? It had hit eight hundred thousand, sure, but what was to say that it was going to go any higher? Um, all it was was greed on my behalf and thinking, oh, you know, there's a nice round number. Let's wait until it hits that, and then I'll sell. Of course, it never hit that number, and it fell in value, and I ended up basically getting out at the same price. In fact, I lost money on that particular deal. So, these things, you know, you've really just got to think cold and emotional let's get on to the third e and the third e is the economy and it's kind of obvious this one i suppose you could say but this the economy can sink your ship just as easily as the other two the other two are internal reviews though that you need to do that are not easy to spot the economy is slightly different because it's out there it's being publicized every day but just remember that things rarely stay the same and if something stays the same for a period of time, it can get you thinking that this is the way it's going to be for, you know, for the rest of history. And um, and you're and you're going to end up making a mistake or making an assumption that costs you dearly. Prices rise, prices fall, interest rates rise, interest rates fall, government policy changes, government, you know, uh, new new government comes in, new election uh, policies, new manifest, uh, you know, government manifestos, tax rates change, supply and demand changes, assumptions have to change, rental growth, capital growth, all of this kind of stuff can be impacted by stuff that's outside of your control. And the economy is probably one of the worst ones. I can remember I had a property that I bought and I think I had, I think the loan that I bought it with was 5.2 million. And 
the property was worth more than that. So I was doing quite well. But I can remember the when I when I thought about borrowing that amount of money, 5.2, I think the annual interest on it, if I can remember correctly, was around 290,000 or something like that, 280,000, whatever it was. And um, the rent that I was getting from the property was 300 and... Uh, I think it was 330,000 or something like that. So there was a small wedge of about 50,000 of profit that was coming in. And that was great. I kind of thought, okay, that's going to help me cover my costs and it's going to be able to take a little bit of of um profit out every every quarter when the when the rent get paid. Um but then I started watching interest rates change and I can remember the interest rates would every quarter or so the government would announce that the interest rates are changing and that they're going up by a quarter point or whatever and it got to the point where the interest rates got to the point where they were on par with the amount of rent that i was getting so the 350 i was getting a year from this property was actually the same amount now as the interest rate was and i was thinking i was starting to get nervous that because the loan was so large like 5.2 million the next time that there was some sort of an increase, it could be that I had to put 50,000 or something like that into, you know, to keep this thing going. And suddenly, you know, the smile goes off your face. Like you go from making a 50,000 profit every year to suddenly maybe I'm going to have to put 50,000 back into it. And that is where the economy can kind of just catch you out. And it, you know, this is probably two, maybe three years after I had acquired the property. And so, you know, time has passed and the original assumptions are all ancient history. So you just got to constantly think about that. When you're looking at anything, have a think into the future, three years, four years, five years. Think about interest rates. Think about, you know, I think everyone at the moment is making the assumption that it's going to continue to be a low interest rate environment. And that may well be the case. But stuff happens that nobody knows why inflation might suddenly creep in and they suddenly decide that they have to increase rates. So just be aware that the economy can shift and you can find yourself in a situation that you did not anticipate. And so I'd always suggest that you have a look at different scenarios and say to yourself, right, what if this happens? What if that happens? And just make sure that you're not leaving yourself so tight on any kind of cash flow basis that you're not in a position to cover it should that change. And then the final E, as I mentioned, I used to group events, or I used to group the economy uh, and events together as one, because um, it all kind of affected the economy. But the reality is, is that events are something that can happen that is completely out of nowhere. Um, you have zero control, and you can you cannot you know the best thing is is focus on what you can control you cannot control events and these things can just happen so for example september the 11th 2001 uh, i was on my way to the to barbados at the time and i remember arriving in this uh, nice hotel and switching on the tv and early in the morning and finding that the twin towers had a big plume of smoke coming out of them and i sat there watching for the whole day and as the second plane hit the it live on TV and stuff, this all happened in real time in front of my eyes. And at the time, you're just looking at this kind of mesmerized by what's happening. But the reality is, is what this caused, I mean, it, it, the markets had to be closed for about five days. 
airline stocks just absolutely plummeted travel was was affected security was affected when you went to airports now they were like taking your shoes off and you had to take your belt off all of this stuff prior to that there was just it was very relaxed when you went through the airport you're more or less just you know you didn't have to do anything this kicked off a war in afghanistan kicked off a war in iraq oil prices shot up the day before this none of this was anticipated by anybody suddenly the world has changed by this one event and of course you can't predict it but what you can do is just make sure that when you're going into any kind of project that you've just left yourself that little bit of a buffer that in the event of something unknown like an event that causes some sort of a, an unusual market shift that's you know not typical that just immediately causes prices to, to fall or whatever or, or interest rates to shoot up whatever it could be and of course you know you can't predict everything but just make sure that you don't have yourself living right on the edge of collapse in the event of something going wrong and you'll be well um, you'll be well held on that for example COVID-19 exact same situation nobody saw it coming came out of nowhere who would have anticipated half the world is going to be in lockdown who would have anticipated that you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people furloughed and and let go businesses closed restaurants closed hotels closed nobody saw it coming and of course it was kind of unrealistic to predict it but the big problem is is that some people live very close to the wire and you know it's kind of like almost a hand to mouth existence where you know they get paid and they eat every you know, they basically use up every penny of their monthly ch paycheck or whatever there's no savings there's no buffer there in the event of something going wrong and that is one of the reasons why saving up and having a buffer of cash it's what the the episode a couple of weeks ago that i spoke with jason graystone on it's very important to have that kind of cash buffer that allows you to survive in the event that um, something like this was to happen and that nothing can cause you to just suddenly have zero income the next morning um, another event the dot-com crash of 2000 i was i remember buying shares in dot-com companies and it was just a crazy time currency crisis if you go back to the 1980s the late 1980s i can remember interest rates shot up overnight and you know nowadays it seems crazy we're all used to kind of like you know one percent interest rates and all of this kind of stuff but back then i can remember my my father the mortgage on my father's house was 16 percent or 18 percent or something like that but i can remember because of this currency crisis it shot up to 24 percent 24 percent interest on your home imagine that now and um then there was a black wednesday and now of course those are kind of international events or global events but there can also be personal events for example the death of somebody or the illness of somebody and all of this stuff can cause uncertainty and just something to happen that you did not be prepared for um, you weren't thinking about you never even anticipated it so just i think the best solution is to just sit back and have a look at your deal and just consider th the following like what if there was a 20 percent drop in the income what if there was a 20 percent drop in sales what if there was a 20 percent increase in interest you know look at these scenarios and just kind of think how are you fixed in the event that that happened what about a 40 percent drop now that may be unlikely but in the 2008 financial crisis 
uh, house prices in Ireland fell by 80% in some places. So it was pretty poor. Um, and, and I was very badly caught out by that event. Um, how is the event going to, you know, let's just make an assumption that your tenants are affected, okay? How secure are you with your tenants? How secure are you with your banks? Uh, if you're in the process of buying something and you're waiting for your bank to give you financing terms, um, if you've gone and committed to the deal before you have the financing terms, you could be in deep shit because if an event happens, the bank could pull out the next day. And I've seen that where um, the banks, they make an offer based on a certain, you know, a certain date and you accept that offer and then closer to the time when you're actually going to draw down the funds, suddenly the world has changed. And that happened with me in my project in Spain. The banks actually changed their tune before, when, before I was actually ready to draw down the funds. Um, demand can change very quickly. And um, I've seen that over the years where you have a tenant ready to move into a property and an event takes place and suddenly they've changed their mind. That happened to me in a property that I bought and I had a tenant that was absolutely mad keen to move into the property. They were telling me that they, they actually went for planning permission for a shop fit out for to reconfigure the store, all this kind of stuff. They had a contractor that moved in and started fitting it out and sort of clearing it out. All this stuff was going on. And I was negotiating the legal terms of the agreement. And I kind of I wasn't in a rush because I kind of felt to myself, these guys are going nowhere. Sure, look, they're 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 their their contractor is in the store actually fitting it out. So I'm absolutely guaranteed to actually get this lease signed uh, because of that. What happened? So the event in that case was an adjoining property um, put up a planning permission notice for a store of the exact same type. And as soon as these people saw that, they decided that they didn't want to compete and therefore they pulled out of the deal. Even though they had already spent money fitting out the store, they actually pulled out of the deal and I didn't have any agreement with them. I had assumed that because they were spending money on it that they were going to proceed, but they didn't. And I ended up stuck with that property unrented for a long time. Prices. You assume you're going to sell something for a certain price. That can change. Now, it can also change in a positive way, but are you are you ready for a negative downward turn in prices um, for for you know demand for debt is the is the property is the interest rates going to go up is the equity that you're you've got from your investors if you're if you're raising investors or if you've got your own equity going in I mean have you got all of the equity yet uh, when I was doing a deal in back in 2007 I was uh, I had a number of investors that agreed to put money in and we agreed to do it in two tranches. So the first tranche was, say, in September 2007. And then the second tranche was in June 2008. So there was about sort of nine months between each tranche. And I thought this was a fair way to do it, kind of give people a chance to kind of collect the money and things like that. Um, of course, I didn't anticipate that the, that the kind of um, the crisis that was unfolding in 2008 would actually start to sort of become evident. And so when it came to June 2008, suddenly one of my investors was finding it hard to actually put the money in. 
and um, another investor wouldn't put the money in because he had changed his mind and he didn't want to proceed with the deal. Now they had already signed commitments and stuff, but suddenly you're on you're you're squabbling with investors that you had a good relationship with prior to that. So you just have to think these things through: investors, equity, debt, prices, demand, banks, tenants. All of that stuff can be impacted by events. So that is the last of my four E's. So the ego, the emotions, the economy and events. If you think of if you don't think of if you don't forget anything else that I've taught you guys, don't forget those because those are the four most important things to remember in this business. And I think that'll serve you well. So give that some thought. Anyway, guys, there you go. It's a short enough one this week. And um, that's it for episode number 39 of Behind the Facade. Thanks so much for listening. Please, um, if you have any time at all, I would really appreciate if you could leave a review or give me a five-star rating over on iTunes or wherever you listen. And uh, as I've said before, that really helps us just get the podcast out there and noticed um, by others and help us draw in a couple more listeners. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, please connect with me on the Facebook group Behind the Facade Community or alternatively reach out and find me on social media. I use the handle Gavin J. Gallagher. And of course, that's the very same on Clubhouse now. So if you guys are on Clubhouse, listen out and um, I'll be putting another room on probably this week. I'm participating in a couple of rooms this week. So I'll hope to see you um, in there. And lastly, if you want to stay up to date with any events or things that are going on in my life, uh, please sign up to my email list, gavinjgallagher.com forward slash go. Until then, guys, have a great week and I'll speak to you next week.